Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Egg Today. Coming up on today's program, there's a call to Alberta cow-calf producers to participate in a pilot program this year, and it will be closely watched by the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. We'll hear from CEO Grant McClellan coming up on today's program. Well-known cattle market analyst Ann Wasco was the first speaker this morning at AgriVisions in Lloydminster. She will give you a synopsis of what she had to say at that as well. Wild pigs have been an issue in Canada over the last 25 years or so, but a simple-looking trap may be part of the solution to the problem. We'll hear from the Director of Outreach, Education and Research at PigBrig the U.S. company that makes the traps of the same name. As well, the 2024 edition of AgriVisions will also have the Heart of the Farm Banquet tonight in Lloydminster. The keynote speaker is Vance Crow. He will have some interesting comments to make as well. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to Saskank Today. A call to Alberta cattle producers is being made to participate in a pilot program this year. Agriculture Financial Services Corporation, or AFSC, an Alberta government crown corporation, is looking for cow-calf producers or those with diverse operations for the project, which will look at how to fully capture input costs under the Agri-Stability Program. This follows a review on agri-stability conducted by Agriculture Financial Services last year, focusing on how to make it more responsive to producers' needs. The CEO of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, Grant McClellan, is aware of the pilot project. This pilot is something that cattle organizations across the country, including ours, have looked forward to. It was announced uh, last year. It's really trying to capture some of the improvements to the agri-stability program that we've been seeking for for some time. Uh, So it's really no different than uh, the work that's being done on the forage rainfall program here in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Uh, So we're pleased that uh, these pilots are are moving forward to make improvements to these BRM or business risk management programs to make those improvements to make these programs service the livestock sector a little better. Like his counterparts in Alberta, McClellan has heard from producers in Saskatchewan that agri-stability could be better. Uh, Certainly with agri-stability, we know that uh, the program has significant shortcomings uh, as pertains to the livestock sector. It really um, doesn't evaluate effectively those own source uh, items such as own source feed, uh, own source labour. Uh, It really doesn't have the ability to measure those things. So uh, this pilot in Alberta is attempting to uh, to really effectively capture some of those costs that have not uh, not really been uh, eligible in the past. AFC's review suggested a possible improvement that could benefit Alberta producers 
could focus on the limited program eligibility of feed and pasture costs and the significant feed inventory price adjustments during drought. They noted agri-stability only covered a portion of total feed and pasture costs due to different production systems and practices to obtain winter feed and pasture for the cow herd. In Saskatchewan, McClellan notes the program worked for some better than others. It works for some members of uh, you know, the livestock sector, in particular to the feedlots, where those margins are, are a little bit easier to capture. Uh, they're purchasing all their feed externally. Their costs are all kind of accounted for, and that doesn't really take into account the, then the cow-calf sector uh, in particular. And, and even those uh, operations that are mixed operations with grain and livestock, uh, it really fails to capture the margins in those operations. And with a margin-based program, um, that uh, has really, we've heard loud and clear from our, our producers anyways here in Saskatchewan and, and I know Alberta as well. Uh, the program just isn't meeting their needs. So we're, we're looking forward to the results of this pilot uh, and to any improvements that can be made to this program. Agriculture Financial Services Corporation says Alberta producers don't need to be in agri-stability to be eligible for the pilot project, but they do need accurate historical income and expense reporting, as well as year-end inventory reporting. Those interested can contact AFSC. It's time now for the Agri-Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Agri-Review. Amendments to Bill C-234 will cost Canadian farmers nearly $90 million a year. That's according to a report by the Parliamentary Budget Officer, or PBO, released yesterday. The PBO provides independent economic and financial analysis to Canada's Parliament. Initially, the bill proposed to exempt fuels used in grain drying and barn and greenhouse heating from the price of carbon for eight years. The PBO projected farmers would have saved $115 million in carbon taxes by 2026 if this version had passed. The current heavily amended version will reduce those savings to $26 million. This doesn't include any carbon price rebates farmers might receive. The Senate amended the bill to remove exemptions for heating buildings and to reduce the bill's sunset clause to three years from eight. The original bill is again under debate in the House, where Conservative MP Ben Lobb put forward a motion that the bill be stripped of its amendments and returned to the Senate. The increasing demand for lentils, especially green lentils, is raising prices, while Canadian stocks are also tighter than they were a year ago. Markets farm analyst Mike Jubinville says due to reduced production in India and the elimination of tariffs on lentil imports going into the country, Canadian lentils are in greater demand. He says India is going to be tighter on supply and green lentils are very much oriented towards that, adding that prices for pigeon peas, which are often used as a lentil substitute, are currently on the rise. As of Monday, high delivered bids for Laird, Eston and Richley lentils in the prairies ranged from 58.5 to 76.5 cents per pound, up 4 to 7 cents per pound from the month before, and up 20.5 to 28 cents per pound from last year, according to Prairie Ag Hotwire. 
High delivered bids for crimson lentils ranged from 30 to 36 cents per pound, up 4 cents from last year, but between 1.5 cents lower to 2 cents higher from last month. Farm Credit Canada says the dairy sector seems set to stabilize in 2024 amidst high processor demand and leveling off input costs. Graham Crosby, a senior economist with the Ag Lender, named feed prices and availability, butter stocks, and retail demand and inflation as the top economic trends likely to impact the sector this year. He says feed availability and pricing will be the ultimate determinant of profitability in 2024. A large U.S. corn crop in 2023 lowered prices and put downward pressure on feed wheat and barley, despite drought that limited production. Record imports of U.S. corn to Western Canada has continued to keep a lid on feed prices, though prices remain elevated. FCC forecasts feed costs to be lower in 2024, but trend higher throughout the year. Farms in the United States continue to get larger, and the number of farms fell between 2017 and 2022. That's according to new data released by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The Census of Agriculture, taken every five years, counts and details U.S. farms and is used to shape the nation's farm supplies. There were 1.9 million U.S. farms in 2022, down about 7% from 2.04 million in 2017. The number of acres of farmland also fell by about 20 million from 2017. The average farm size rose from 441 acres in 2017 to 463 acres in 2022. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack called the survey a wake-up call at an event at the USDA headquarters on Tuesday. Farm consolidation has been an ongoing concern of the USDA. The number of U.S. farms has been in steady decline for several decades. Indian security forces fired tear gas at protesting farmers for a second day today to stop tens of thousands from marching to the capital, New Delhi, to demand higher prices for their produce. Traveling on trucks and trolleys loaded with food, bedding and other supplies, the farmers began their march on Tuesday morning after talks with the government failed to yield a commitment on minimum prices for a range of crops. Authorities imposed tight security arrangements in areas bordering New Delhi, with hundreds of personnel in riot gear deployed amid cement blocks topped with barbed wire and shipping containers as barriers in the path of the convoy. Security forces stopped the farmers at the Shambu border that divides Punjab and Haryana, the northern states to which most of the farmers belong, almost 200 kilometers from their destination. And Saskag Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskag Today. And yes, it is free. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and minus 14 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Well-known cattle market analyst Ann Wasco was the first speaker this morning at AgriVisions in Lloydminster. 
Wasco says profitability is back in the cattle business, but there are worries about very dry conditions and the need for precipitation during 2024. U.S. trends and cycles have a huge impact on Canadian prices. And of course, the U.S. has been in a sell-off since their cycle peak in 2019. But we're watching closely as now, hopefully, better prices and hopefully some better moisture conditions will allow that U.S. cattle herd to start to rebuild. But having said that, it's not started yet. So we're looking at tighter supplies in 24 and possibly 25. And with that, that means um, certainly prices staying strong um, over the next um, 12 to 24 months and maybe longer, depending on when conditions really turn around. Of course, there are financial issues, both positive and negative. The impact of these higher interest rates on overall cost of production and on the cost of money, if that's still there. If you're in the cattle business, we've got lower cost of gain with lower feed prices these days. And and so that looks like a, a little positive compared to what we saw in 2023. So as always, there's um, things on both sides of the ledger, if you will. But I think Mother Nature still stands out as we need some timely help from her in 24. Wasco spoke at the AgriVisions conference this morning in Lloydminster. The trade show there is open until 5.30 this afternoon, and then it's open again tomorrow from 10 until 4. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 183.75 this hour. That's down 135. June live cattle trading at 181.02, down 152. March feeder cattle trading at 245.45, down 255. April feeder cattle trading at 248.97, down 277. April lean hogs trading at 84.67, that's up 360. May lean hogs trading at 88.55, up 257. And that's the livestock market conditions. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. One more time from Haas Nissan. Greg is with me, and uh, it's been a fantastic day. I know that's going to continue on. Those certified pre-owned vehicles. You guys have a great selection, right? Yes. Great selection of certified pre-owned. Special interest rates on those. You definitely want to come and check those out. We had a couple go out this morning, and I think there's still a few left. So you definitely, if you are interested in something used, just don't want to quite get that new vehicle, this is the time because there is some really nice ones out there, some local trades we just got in. As well as we've been talking about that 0% financing, refers from leasing for 24 months on the uh, Rogues, uh, $2,000 off on the SL and the Platinum uh, Rogues as well. And uh, there's, some, there's still a few Pathfinders around. I'd come and check the all-new Aria, the full electric car. you got to check that thing out. It's amazing with the technology and what it has in it. There is so much that you can come and see. There's so many different vehicles you can take for test drives. It's all right here at Haas Nissan. Welcome back to Saskag Today. Wild pigs have been an issue in Canada over the last 25 years, but a simple-looking trap may be part of the solution to the problem. Called the pig brig, it's a big net that is 20 feet in diameter, which can be set up by one person in about an hour. To catch them, a pig simply walks underneath the mesh, and once they're in, there is no way out. It's also portable, so it can fit into a backpack. 
Aaron Summerall is the Director of Outreach, Education and Research at Pigbrig, the U.S. company that makes the traps of the same name. The saying goes, necessity is the mother of all invention, and that was the case for the Pigbrig. Summerall explains the system was inspired by an ongoing project in Guam, where they were tasked with removing non-native wild boars from the area. The early on, the way we were doing that is to airlift traps, prefabricated metal traps, into the jungle because there were no, no roads that exist there. Uh, so the airlifting was, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen or so thousand dollars a month. And we looked for other ways, other avenues that we could be more efficient with that. And the other things that was there is that in using those prefab metal panels, the only, I guess, option that you had to erect those traps was to use the existing trees, the existing vegetation. The reason for that is in Guam, to drive a post or to dig a post hole is illegal because of unexploded ordnance still remaining from World War II. So we had to find something that we could adapt to the existing environment to make sure that it conformed to the ground, that it was easily backpackable, uh, portable, adapted to any ground slope, ground structure that we may face, and the obvious solution for that would be a net of some kind. So we started exploring options there. Got the net set in place, got everything up and in, in, in motion. And early on, we used a, a regular cell phone activated catch gate on the net systems uh, to, to be able to obviously catch the pigs when they went into the net. Well, the camera on the gate system was showing that the pigs were not going through the gate. They were going under the net. So we actually had to shut, we had to actually close the gate to keep the pigs in, not to close the gate to catch the pigs. So it was just a, a basically a, an epiphany moment there. It's like, well, then what do we even need the technology in the gate? He notes the trap is widely used in the United States, and it is also now gaining traction here in Canada. We have. We've got quite a few sales in Canada. There is a, there's actually an increasing interest in Canada. I was actually in Saskatchewan. Uh, back in November, I went to, uh, uh, flew into Saskatoon and then um, was there for a couple of weeks there working with four of the different Canadian provinces. Well, there were representatives there from British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba that are responsible for pig management in their respective provinces. So we had a, a prolonged training there because of the concerns that wild boar face or wild pigs face are, are imposing in Canada. And, uh, and at that point, there were already quite a few of the pig break traps scattered throughout Canada. But now it seems like there's much more of a, uh, an interest that's moving forward uh, in Canada to make sure that they are on the, the cusp or on the front side of making sure that that pig problem is eradicated rather than trying to get to the capacities where we are in the south, where we just try to make sure that we just kind of hold it steady. We, we're, we're pretty much past the point of eradication here where Canada has the opportunity to to maintain an eradication status. Since the first unit was sold in September of 2020, Summerall says the product is being used in 35 countries with about 7,000 units sold. But it did come with its fair share of skepticism. We're the only patented net trap system on the planet. So a lot of the early skepticisms out there was just the fact that how is a net trap going to hold a pig as big as what I've got on my property? And so it, it took a little bit of convincing some, I guess, the right places, the right people to see the durability, the strength, and the ability to hold those pigs was there. And once that skepticism started to wane off, 
uh, is when we it, it just it went so big so fast we never anticipated that. The cost for one of these traps is just a few thousand dollars, but Summerall says it's a worthwhile investment. Yeah, so whenever you look at the trap system, the the materials that are there, the durability of the, the materials that are there, you know, you get the net, you get everything but the post. If you decide to use post to put the trap up, you provide those. We provide everything else. Um, the trap does come with a guaranteed warranty on there that we come that's, that, that comes from Pig Brig. And then you have the option, if you want to extend that warranty for a few dollars a year, you can even extend that warranty. The trap system is UV-coated, um, so the, it's going to stick with you for a long time, even if you leave it in the direct sunlight 365 days a year. We have also our own in-house customer support. We have our in-house trap support. Uh, we have all different sorts of services that come along with that trap so that we do not uh, farm those out. So whenever you call and you want to talk to somebody with Pig Brig, Pig Brig is going to be the one answering the phone, and we're not going to be transferring you all over. So you, you speak and you communicate directly with us. So, yeah, the, the trap systems that we have there is just two options, the same size, 20-foot diameter, and, uh, and you have the options of whether or not you want to have a trap cap on the trap, which is about an 18-inch net that goes around the top of the trap that, that basically eliminates the chances of a, of a pig ever trying to get out of the top. So you have the option of a trap cap, or you have the option without the trap cap. So uh, everything there, whenever you buy the system with the, the, the trap cap on it, is a $3,000 net. And what I tell people is if you got a $3,000 net there, then that one net is good for about three different locations. So the way that we use the net systems in the, in the states, and this is what we talked about whenever I was in Saskatchewan back in November, especially for those farmers that have multiple farms that are scattered out in different places around the area, is that instead of having to have a trap in every single location, if they have a trap location identified as they're out there breaking ground or feeding cattle or doing whatever, and they see activity of pigs, it takes about 10 minutes to set that trap up, 10 to 15 minutes to set that trap up if they already have their post in place and things like that. So instead of having to have a trap in every location, with the portability of the, of the pig brig system, you can get to wherever you want to be in a very, very short period of time, and you don't have to shut down your agriculture operation in order to get a truck in the trailer to haul a, tra- a trap in. Uh, it can literally be in the floor of the cab of the tractor with you or in the floorboard of your truck, and, uh, and you can slap that trap up in place in a few minutes and go on about taking care of the rest of your responsibilities. While the trap specializes in dealing with wild pigs, he notes they're in the research and development stage of similar traps for other animals. We get quite a few calls from all over the world that's asking us, I guess because of the confidence that they have and how well it works with pigs, if we've explored the opportunities of, of working with other species. And to be quite honest with you, the pig market is going so fast right now that, that yeah, we've got plans to uh, move into other species, but what we're going to do is make sure that we do it in a quality manner. Uh, that, that we're not going to jump into another species before we've had time to actually put it in the field, test it, see what needs to be done, or if there's any modifications to that system. So to answer your question is yes, we're exploring other species that are out there. Uh, other thoughts that are out there, just like you said, with some of the fox, but others are, are um, could be birds in certain situations. It could be that the, the nets are deployed in, in airport locations, or it could be that they're using them in and uh, and marking efforts there where they've got to they got to ban birds and things like that. So yeah, we're definitely exploring other species. 
More information about the Pig Brig can be found on their website. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this afternoon. March canola trading at 584.70, down $10.80. May canola trading at 591.90, down $10.60. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 660 and three quarters, down 11 cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 583 and three quarters down 10 and three quarters of a cent. March Chicago wheat, trading at 581 and a half, down 16 cents. March corn, trading at 423 and a quarter, down seven and a half cents. March soybeans, trading at 1171 and a half, down 14 and three quarters of a cent. March oats trading at 377 per bushel, down four and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. As you heard earlier, the 2024 edition of AgriVisions is going on today and tomorrow in Lloyd Minster. A highlight is the Heart of the Farm Banquet this evening, and the keynote speaker is Vance Crow. Vance is well known in the United States and his resume is full of interesting jobs and experiences. I had a bunch of experiences that were really great, kind of shaped me. I went to college and then I became a deckhand on a ship. From there I became a U.S. Peace Corps volunteer living in Africa. I uh, worked at a national public radio station. Ultimately, I got a master's degree in cross-cultural negotiations, kind of conflict. How do you overcome that? And I went to work at the World Bank and then later... Monsanto, which, uh, as far as I was concerned, was a very dark and uh, scary place, invited me to come in to do an interview for their director of millennial engagement. And that role ended up being amazing because it was really about the world is producing food more bountifully than they ever have before in the history of civilization, and yet people are afraid and angry about how their food is being produced. So I was hired to figure out how do you reach out to a culture and try and change their perspective. Uh, I did that for a few years, and uh, I uh, really stumbled into the work that I'm doing now, which is helping people tell their stories so that future generations can know their family history. So I have a recording studio in St. Louis, Missouri, and people travel in from all over the U.S. and Canada to record these stories for future generations. Crow says the legacy interviews give future generations the opportunity to learn their family history. Stories are not only preserved, but the sounds of voices and mannerisms that otherwise will be lost in time. Crow says even guests who are reluctant to do an interview initially feel energized and excited when they realize that their life had so much value and so many deep experiences. Documenting of these stories is I would say my life's work, my most important work that I've ever stumbled upon, because when you're living in today's modern culture, you don't realize that it wasn't that long ago that people were harvesting corn or wheat using teams of horses, that many of the people that are living now in their 70s and 80s grew up in homes that didn't even have electricity or didn't have running water. And there's things that those people 
figured out along the way about how our culture works, about how to have a community, about how to raise a family where people feel strong and can stand up on their own two feet. And so capturing these stories is more than just having a good memory of mom and dad or grandma and granddad. It's truly about trying to capture what are those values, what are those things that they did that helped them to be successful in spite of the odds, in spite of just how difficult living was, particularly out where you're at, out in Alberta, out in Saskatchewan. These areas were not easy to be a farmer or a rancher, and yet they did it. So what lessons do they have to teach us? And Vance Crow provides this preview of his keynote speech this evening at the Heart of the Farm Banquet in Lloydminster. Well, I was invited to AgriVision to talk about the exact thing that we know is a, is a big challenge, which is how to have people tell better stories. And one of the things that, you know, we mentioned earlier in this conversation that it's really important that farmers tell their stories. It's equally important for young farmers, for older farmers, to be able to figure out how do you get other people to tell you their story. One of the things that I've learned in the work that I've done is that if you can ask somebody genuinely to open up, to tell you their stories, to share them with you what they've learned, not only do you get the benefit of all of their wisdom, but when you're done asking somebody and you've genuinely listened to them about their story, they're going to want to hear your story. And they're going to be so much more open to you than if you had led with, hey, let me tell you about what I know about. Let me tell you about what uh, is important to me. And I believe this art of asking people questions to get them to open up and to get them to share is an art that you have to practice. You have to learn and you have to improve at it. And when you do, it opens doors that are truly unimaginable to most people. Vance Crow is the keynote speaker at the Heart of the Farm Banquet tonight at AgriVisions in Lloydminster. Please stay tuned. Saskang Today will continue right after this. Welcome back to Saskang Today. It's a slow start on the grain export markets this week, with China wrapping up Lunar New Year celebrations and Brazil holding Carnival. That will change tomorrow when the U.S. Department of Agriculture starts its Ag Outlook Forum. Dan Bassey is the president of Ag Resource Company. They're looking for the Ag Outlook Forum to be bearish. Uh, key numbers will be of new crop seedings from WASDE. We did get some hint from the baseline report back in November of what they're thinking. So large end stocks on corn, probably in the 2.4 to 2.7 billion bushels. Soybean end stocks will be probably 350 to 400. So above this year, and many traders are talking about the bearishness, at least from that report, the forum is not going to be bullish per se with farm income projected to drop roughly 30-some billion dollars. Traders are still trying to figure out what the South American soybean and corn crop will yield. The range is wide. When you think about APRSOCIA, which is the Farm Association of Soybean Producers in Brazil at 130, and then you have USDA at uh, 156. So that's uh, 26 million metric tons, almost 900 million bushels of beans. We can drive a truck through those estimates, and we need to end the confusion before we can go forward in the market, at least have an idea of what the long-term price direction will be. Dan Bassey is the president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. Farm Bulletin Board. The nomination deadline for the 2024 Saskatchewan Outstanding Young Farmer Award is rapidly approaching. 
To be eligible, you must be under the age of 40, operate a farm with an ownership stake, and derive at least two-thirds of your income from farming. Nominees can be a young farmer, a farm couple, or a farm partnership. Anyone can nominate a young farmer by filling out a preliminary nomination form by tomorrow. More information is available by contacting Tannis Axton at tannis at axtonfarms.ca. Tannis is spelled with two N's and Axton is spelled A-X-T-E-N. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries. Winds northwest at 20 to 35, then diminishing. A high of minus 10. For tonight, mainly cloudy. Winds north-northwest at 15 to 25, a low of minus 21. For tomorrow, mainly cloudy. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 14, an overnight low of minus 24. For Friday, mainly sunny. Winds west at 20 to 30, a high of minus 8. For Saturday, partly sunny, a high of minus 3. And Sunday, sunny, a high of minus 5. In the Paw, it's minus 16 degrees. Swan River is at minus 13. Dauphin, minus 10. Brandon, minus 9. Show Lake Russell and Roblin, minus 14. Regina is at minus 12. Saskatoon, minus 10. Hudson Bay, minus 15, Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 13, Indian Head is at minus 11. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a west-northwest wind at 22, gusting to 35 kilometers an hour. 75% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 14 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 23 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.